You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. Happy early Thanksgiving. It is that season, so I'm headed out this afternoon uh, to join my wife and kids. They've already made it back to uh, just outside of Little Rock, the Rice Ranch. And so they drove some 22 hours. And so uh, I'll be flying this afternoon. And many of you guys are thinking, what a cheapskate, you know? You're flying and they drove 22 hours. Uh, But, you know, my wife, she's a go-getter. And she's like, I wanted a couple extra days. So, um, you know, I'll be driving back with them. Next weekend, Pastor Daryl Del is preaching. Uh, You don't want to miss him. I'll be on my way back with the family and the dog. Uh, making the 22-hour trek back to the great state of Arizona. So you, you guys will be blessed with Pastor Darrell coming in, and uh, he's teaching a message about unity. You got to be kidding me. Uh, you, uh, so you don't want to miss that. He's a great dear friend of mine. I'll share more about him later in the service today. So um, I'm going to invite up Gavin Robertson. He uh, is a part of our church, is a leader in our church. Come on up, Gavin. Uh, serves, yeah, you can sit those of you who know him or started to clap, those of you who don't know him, you're like, why are we clapping for this guy? He's a great guy, and uh, he serves in our church uh, in a number of different ways. His community group, his wife uh, runs the kids program, and then Gavin uh, has really taken some leadership in the area of helping mobilize our church for missions. And so, Gavin, why don't you share a little bit about uh, what's happening down in Mexico? Great. Good morning, North Valley family. Uh, yeah, so they nominated me to be the hype man for the mission, so I'm here to get you all fired up about that. And you do have a wrestling outfit, right? I do. That's good. I do. Macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Wrestling's real, by the way. It is. Yeah, totally. It's totally real. I agree. It's real. I agree. It's real. I agree. Uh, anyways, um, let's get back on oh, track. Right, right, You're right, throwing right, me right, off, right, man. Right, I'm going sorry. Everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my family has been involved uh, with I-68 since the mission this year, but more financially even prior to that. Uh, North Valley's been doing uh, the mission trip with I-68 for the last three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year when COVID hit, we weren't allowed to go uh, because might not be able to get back And, and we the built border. a house for but the we family. S- we sent the money down, yeah, the for the Corona family. And built a house for the Coronas during... The, the, the pandemic Isn't that hitting. crazy? Yeah. Yep. God has a sense of humor, too. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes he laughs at me, and sometimes he laughs with me. Yeah. But yeah. So anyways, uh, very preliminary right now. Uh, the mission trip is going to be uh, March 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th. It's probably a lot of you thinking, uh, what can I do on a house build? I don't have any construction skills or anything like that. doesn't matter. Uh, because we're not going down there to build a house, we're going down there to spread the love of Jesus. And that's the main goal, building the house is a byproduct. But there's something for everybody to do. Um, and we're gonna have a meeting uh, December 5th after second service. So that'll be an opportunity for you guys to ask questions or in the interim, you can talk to me before church or in between services or after. And I'd love to uh, share with you guys more about what the mission trip's gonna look like and how you can be a part of uh, North Valley's uh, sharing and showing the love of Christ to uh, the people down in Rocky Point. So You got it. 
Give him a big round of applause. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, Gavin's going to be available after service uh, under the Ramada. I think we've got uh, burgers and hot dogs going on today. No. No. No, no we don't. I was not just today, joking. Not next week. I was just nope. joking. So good job, Gavin. Uh, on, on December 5th, though, when we do the gathering, I'm going to be kicking off a new message series, and that's the uh, Sunday as well that we're going to have that mission trip. Uh, we will have burgers and hot dogs, yes. And so you can grab your food and then come in and hang out for the missions meeting. So I, I, I've, taken, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, and I've taken her three times to build a house. Um, so imagine the formation that's going on in her worldview about how important it is that we go, do, we go make a difference. At North Valley, we say we're here to gather, to discover truth for life, that we want to learn God's word, truth for all everyday life. We want to grow in our spiritual journey, and then we want to go out and make a difference. And so uh, as a church, we need to make a difference. And so uh, uh, COVID didn't slow us down. Uh, we still got a house built uh, in the name of Jesus. And then um, we're going to continue to expand our, our mission projects down there. We got a number of guys in our church that are serving on that leadership team. Very, very proud of the men in this church. You guys are doing a good job. Um, I, can we just thank the men? Because they've done a great job in this church. Can we thank them? Good job, guys. And um, so here's what I want to do this morning is I'm going to jump into the passage, John chapter 3, verses 8 through 16. And, um, and uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to read it. And uh, then we'll come back and you'll check out this video uh, of the, of, that kind of illustrates it. John chapter 3, verses 8 through 16. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to have you stand. So I'm just changing the service as we go. Stand real quick. And I'm going to read this and uh, just kind of take it in, and then we'll illustrate it through the video, and then I'll teach some points on it. Jesus has had a, a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus is seeking for the truth. He's seeking for direction in life. Uh, he wants to know if Jesus Christ is truly the Messiah. He needs direction. Um, and last week, if you were with me, you, you realized that uh, we talked about the importance of what Jesus was trying to help Nicodemus understand how you get to heaven is you got to be born again. You got to have a new birth and uh, it, it's a work of God. So verse, uh, picking up in verse eight, he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, verse 10, are you a teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but, we do not receive, but, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. Verse 14, and, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? And be seated. Check out this video. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I wish 
trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind? How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. And I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the spirit. The spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. <sighs> Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes. And I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that, do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Nicodemus was searching. He was really looking for direction, trying to understand exactly who Jesus Christ was. He didn't have it all figured out. He had heard a lot about him. He'd, he'd seen miracles, heard uh, firsthand accounts and testimonies. Uh, perhaps he was there when uh, Jesus turned water into wine. Uh, perhaps he was there when Jesus uh, drove the corrupt uh, religious leaders out of the temple. Uh, Nicodemus wanted to know about direction in life. I believe that we're in a time in our culture and in our country where Christians and people are looking for direction, perhaps more now than ever. I think it's so important that you and I need to think about where, where do we go for when it comes to direction for life. Um, most of us will first look to friends 
uh, about direction in life. We will talk to a friend uh, when some kind of hardship hits, something happens, uh, you see this in the media or you see that or this happens, we look straight to friends first. And uh, I find it alarming that uh, according to research that uh, most uh, believers uh, would look to both non-religious and religious people with equal weight and value as to receiving counsel for direction in life. The problem with that is that um, if, if we're relying on our friends who don't know Jesus nor the Bible for direction, then that can really lead us off track. Um, even for believers, if we look first to our friends, if we look to uh, our friends for direction in life, um, that can cause challenges too. Um, I would say uh, what I'm about to share with you, the, the, the ways in which we often look towards direction and areas that we look to direction are the wrong ways, and then I'm going to share with you the right ways. But the first is oftentimes we look towards our friends for direction. Um, Nicodemus did it right. He went straight to Jesus. Um, oftentimes we'll look to our friends for direction. I remember a time in my life when I was going through a significant season of suffering. I uh, had a lot of chronic pain uh, from an injury. I uh, couldn't sleep at night. I was going through a hardship. The church was not getting there as fast as I wanted it to go, and things weren't going slower, and we had a lot of challenges in getting to this campus. And my friend back home told me this, the, this. He said, Ryan, maybe your suffering, maybe your hardship is a sign that God doesn't want you in Phoenix anymore. Maybe you really aren't called to Phoenix. Maybe you should just come home because you have family here. We can, uh, you've got property opportunities here. You could have a great job here that could pay you more. This is a believer. And I said, I don't like that advice, man. Because something in my heart was saying, that's not right. Even though I was going through seasons of suffering, um, I think of a case study in the Bible, in the book of uh, Job. It's a case study of a man named Job. The Bible says he was really righteous, a godly good man, but he went through an appointed season of suffering that was incredibly difficult, and he goes to his friends for advice on what to do, and they say very similar things. Hey, this suffering that you've done, you've brought it upon yourself. You must have made God mad. This false concept of sometimes of what's called divine retribution, that God's going to get you, and he appoints all the suffering and the hardship for you. Many times, friends will tell you the wrong kinds of things and lead you off track. Uh, Job is that case study where he finally silenced the noise of the friends and said, stop it. I'm going to rely upon the promises of God and trust that and go forward. And the Bible says that he was greatly blessed for it. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to silence your friends at times if you're going to find direction in life. Um, you will find yourself in seasons of your life lonelier than you wish you were because you, you're going to have to look to uh, not just your friends. Um, and secondly, you can't look within. Uh, oftentimes in today's time, we look within, and this is very much a popular cultural concept that the answers for your life are within you. It's a very new age concept. It uh, comes out of Buddhism and all sorts of Eastern uh, ideas and ideologies uh, that your answers are within you. Um, the Bible tells us absolutely contrary that the answers in the direction of life is not within you. 
Uh, Martin Luther, the famous reformer, called it an alien righteousness, meaning something outside of us. Uh, We do not look inside for answers and direction in life. We look up. We We look to the Lord. And it's outside of us. The Bible tells us that the heart is wicked and deceitful. That means that our, our uh, 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 help decision-making process through our mind and our heart oftentimes are synonyms in the Scripture uh, to help us understand the, the center of one's being. The idea is, is that the Bible tells us that it's still, there's some infection, if you will, uh, from the original uh, cause of sin, that sin entered the world like a virus, has an infected, affected everything and everyone. So you cannot look to within for the answers and the direction in life. Um, it's like a compass. If you hold up a compass and then you bring a magnet up to it, it's going to get off course and you'll get off in your direction. You will have friends and culture that will tell you an opposite direction perhaps and you need to go. The third area I think that we often look at uh, for direction in life is online. Right now it's the highest time ever, uh, according to research, um, It's 90% of Americans say that the internet has been absolutely essential and important to them, Uh, especially during the pandemic. And I get it, uh, FaceTime with family and all that stuff. Um, And I I wish I would have perhaps invested into uh, Zoom in 2019. That could have been really helpful. Um, But if you've noticed their stock prices are dropping now because everybody realized Zoom is not enough. You need to be in person and connect with people. Um, but we spend way too much uh, time online. Uh, the average American spends about five to six hours a day online. Uh, many people are searching online, perhaps you are, for answers and direction in life. Years ago, we did a teaching series uh, called People Want to Know. Uh, we had some incredible analytics and, and data that we uh, discovered uh, and found out the top Google searches in our area. Uh, The number one Google search when it comes to the Christian faith uh, in regards to what people were Googling uh, in our community was searching for forgiveness. Uh, Folks were wanting to find out, how do I make amends perhaps with God and with uh, other people? How do I forgive myself? The second one was about love and relationships. Uh, A lot of of, young families, a lot of dating couples in our area. And number three was about right behind it was marriage, divorce, remarriage. And number four was depression, suicide, mental illness, and those kinds of things. Um, What's interesting to me is that uh, the average American uh, checks their phone, listen to this, about 63 times a day. Um, If you're on fantasy like I am, you might check it more, you know? Uh, I was out there editing my, my lineup earlier the, this morning because I'm, I'm losing and I'm trying to beat Kaylee Kitchens or Kaylee Merrick now uh, on our staff team because she's been crushing us in the league that we created. Um, the problem is, is though, is this, these are not the areas that we need to look for direction. Specifically, I challenge you, especially online, we are in the information age, which is truly the misinformation age. And so everything you search for online, by the way, is basically filtered and fed to you specifically based on your historical searches. And therefore, everything you search is not what the next person searches will they find. Um, You will be delivered information that is according to uh, what's called predictive analytics of things that you've already liked, things that you've already clicked on, 
And so what's happening is that people are looking for direction to their friends first, within second, and looking online. And so the direction of life and the understanding of how we find help, healing, hope, uh, the pathway to heaven is totally skewed. And, 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 uh, and so looking online is, is not the answer. Um, and so I want to challenge you uh, to go a different route uh, Currently, we're opening up this multi-purpose building. There's going to be, in my office, I'm going to have a library in there. For those of you that are younger, you might not know what that is. Um, But there is such things as really books and hard copy books and soft copy books. And, uh, you know, it's important. And we're going to get to that, like how we look for direction. And if it's all online, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be deeply confused. And today is a season in our life as a church, that direction is critically important. I think Christians are looking for direction uh, specifically from trusted leaders on issues. There are so many issues in today's time, are there not? So many challenges. Um, And so today what I want to do is give you some direction on where you should look. Number one, you look to Jesus. Um, First and foremost, uh, the pathway to heaven The train that leads to heaven, it starts with looking to Jesus Christ. In verse 14, perhaps you have it in your Bible, but uh, there was a reference to Moses who lifted up this serpent in the wilderness, and Jesus said, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He was referring to that the pathway to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And he uses a couple illustrations. One, he used the wind to describe the mystery of salvation. Then he uses uh, the, the story, the biblical uh, historical uh, account of Moses in the wilderness when the people of Israel started grumbling against God, uh, defaming God, blaspheming against God. God sent judgment put a bunch of serpents in in the wilderness, many people were bitten, many died, and they turned back towards Moses and say, come on, we've got to get right, we're so sorry, We we should have trusted God. And the Lord speaks to Moses and says, I want you to build a serpent on a stick, a bronze uh, bronze serpent, hold it up, and anybody who looks to that will be healed and will live. It's very interesting to me that the story of the gospel message is look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. And uh, there's a historical connection, uh, some hundreds and hundreds of years with the account of Jesus Christ, uh, uh, a metaphor of Moses in the wilderness, and then there's this connection with Jesus in the New Testament and the Gospel of John. And the idea is, is that all those that looked to um, that serpent that was lifted up would be healed in their life, they would live. Uh, they would rely on the promises of God, and God would heal them and, 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 and give them uh, life. And so in the New Testament, Jesus reaffirms this idea, and the message is, is that um, every single one of us, we must look to Jesus Christ first and foremost. Just as Moses lifted up this serpent in the wilderness, so also the Jesus Christ was lifted up on a cross, crucified, condemned on the cross uh, for the sins of the whole world. And you and I, uh, and every person on the planet, literally in, in, a, in a metaphorical sense, has been bitten by the snake. Sin is in the veins. Uh, we are hopeless and helpless. So apart from 
the work of Jesus Christ. And the, the direction that we have to do is look to Jesus Christ. Um, there's all sorts of offers for salvation and pathways to heaven right now. Um, the pathway is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father but through, help me out, me. That's what he says. Uh, we don't live in a culture where there, uh, there's an, any appreciation towards absolute truth anymore. In fact, there's a whole brand new version of Christianity that's being uh, pumped out through major denominations where folks are coming around and saying anybody who holds to the idea of absolute truth must not really need faith. Therefore, it's false. There is no absolute truth. There is multiple ways to uh, heaven. Jesus is not the only way. And literally, it's an abandonment of Scripture and the clarity of uh, understanding how salvation works. It's all through Jesus. You want direction in life? You want to get to heaven? You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We got to look to Jesus as the answer and the solution. So um, what I want to encourage you is uh, you, to realize is that you can't get any kind of divine direction in life without Jesus Christ. He's your hope. He's your healing. He's your hope for heaven. He's all of it. Um, there was a story of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, an old preacher of old, um, who as a young boy, he was walking through um, the streets of, of London, and uh, he heard, uh, he was on his way to a church service, and it was so snowed out that he decided to just take a turn down an alleyway and go to this different church. Uh, he wasn't yet a believer, um, but he was seeking for the Lord. And so what happened is, is that he walks into this little country Methodist church, and the preacher gets up and says, well, the official preacher's gone today. I'm filling in. Uh, he got snowed out and couldn't make it to church. There's about 15 people there in this church. Uh, he gets up, and the preacher starts preaching this passage out of Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. The preacher just kept saying, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. And the simplicity of that gospel message uh, was received by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and he became one of the greatest preachers in a great season of darkness in that time. And thousands and thousands and thousands of folks came to faith in Jesus Christ. And the simplicity of the gospel message is, is you look to Jesus. You look to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the person you look into. For those of you that are skeptical about Jesus, look to Jesus. If you could disprove Jesus, then you, can, uh, you could walk away from the Christian faith. But the problem is with Jesus is that uh, he has so many prophecies that, were, that he fulfilled. Uh, he did so many different accounts of miraculous things that so many people bought into him that they were willing to die for their faith in Jesus Christ. There's archaeology that supports the ideas and the places in which Jesus went to. It's hard to refute Jesus. Um, so as someone who's skeptical, you look to Jesus, looking for direction in life. Somebody who's uh, committed in their faith uh, and needs to be able to articulate their faith in today's culture and time, you have to look to Jesus. That's number one. Um, number two, I would say, is that we need to read the Bible. Uh, this is incredibly important. Uh, right now, there is a kind of an effort in culture to uh, break down the Bible, if you can break down the Bible, you can break down the basic Judeo-Christian ideas, visions, and values that have been woven into our Constitution. So if you can break the Bible, break the authority of Scripture, 
then therefore there is no morality. There is no uh, right and wrong in this sense uh, that we get in today's uh, time as we read the scriptures. The, the, the Bible serves as the basic ethical moral guideline, which by the way has built, just say, let's say the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments has served as the basic moral ethical foundation for every civilization that we know of. Um, those basic tenets. My challenge to you is that you read the Bible in today's time. You want direction? Read the scriptures. What, what got Nicodemus to cross the line of faith was the understanding of scriptures and the encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, Nicodemus walks away from this encounter and um, uh, he becomes a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. He's the one with Joseph of Arimathea uh, after the death and the burial of Jesus. He's the one who helps Jesus uh, find a, a memorial, a, a funeral, a, a, a graveside. Uh, and so uh, Nicodemus becomes later a church uh, leader. Uh, uh, church history says he was baptized by the apostle Peter. Uh, then he goes on to uh, live a life of, of strong faith and conviction. He knew the scriptures. You need to know the scriptures. According to research, the younger you are, the less you read the Bible. In this room right here, it's the boomers. You guys probably read the Bible the most. Uh, then you've got uh, the, the, the Gen Xers a little behind them, the millennials the least. So there's a trend that's been going on uh, lo- less and less and less and less and less Bible. Um, that's perfect for Satan's strategy. Uh, Phoenix ranks as one of the least biblically literate cities in the country. Uh, we're right. We're doing just a little better than San Francisco. Um, so my point in saying is, is if you don't know the scriptures very well, you should uh, because it forms as the basic understanding uh, for the Christian faith. And you just saw how Jesus pulls on uh, a passage out of Numbers, uh, an uh, old historical Old Testament event to interpret uh, the, uh, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Uh, so all of the scripture holds a place in authority and sufficiency for us to look to and to live by. Um, the Bible tells us that the word of God is like a lamp to our uh, feet and a light for our path. We need it for direction. Uh, I'll give you five reasons as why I think you should read the Bible, why I read the Bible. Um, they're not on the screen, so if you want to take notes, you can. But number one, I would say that it shows you how to live. Uh, right now, uh, the way you live as a Christian, if you're following the scriptures, you'll be labeled a bigot, a fundamentalist, um, you will be uh, intolerant, you will be uh, an outsider, and your voice should be silenced. Uh, the Bible tells you how to live. The scriptures tell you how to live. Um, you're, not, you're supposed to, the Bible says that you're supposed to live uh, in the world, but not of the world. Meaning the, the job that you have, the relationships that you have, the position that you have, the money that you make, the, the gifts that you have, you're to use it all for the glory of God, and you'll be most in, satisfied when you do that. It's in this time, not another time, it's this time, and the Bible tells us how we should live. Um, so number one, I would say read it. Even if you say, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in Jesus, guess what? The ethics and the foundation that you're going to find in the scriptures, that's just good stuff. 
You'll be the guy or the gal that'll get the promotion. You'll get the guy or the gal that will do better. Why? Because you just follow the basic principles for life that are good for living. Um, Number two, I would say it shapes your values. Um, The reason why uh, the scripture shapes your values is because you see the values, the ethics, the morals, the foundation. You understand good, evil, right, wrong. So then you have a value system. And so many people cannot make decisions today. It's been labeled a generation of the analysis of paralysis. You just don't, you don't make decisions. So this is why everybody delays on getting married. This is why everybody uh, is low committal on perhaps uh, where they're going to live. They change jo- jobs over and over and over and over and over again. And depression is up. There's a very low value system. When you read the Bible, you grow in your value system, and the stronger your values are, the easier it is for you to make decisions. Uh, number uh, three, it gives you a vision for life, the purpose of life. And the Bible tells us all sorts of purpose statements for our life. I think of one out of Thessalonians that says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always, uh, in every circumstance give thanks. This is the will of God for your life, giving thanks a heart of gratitude, thanksgiving, remember that. I give thanks in every situation, even in the hard times, give thanks to the Lord. Lord, thank you that I'm still alive. I'm still moving forward. Uh, Thank you that you've called me in a season such as this. Let me be a light in the midst of this challenging suffering season for your name and your fame because I don't have enough energy to do it. Give thanks. Um, It shapes your vision for life. Uh, gives you a, a vision of how you should live your life. And then number four, it shares the gospel. Uh, the gospel message is here. The good news of Jesus Christ about forgiveness and salvation. It is here. So when you read this, you're helping share good news with people. If you read it and you believe it, uh, then you can do that. Uh, Lastly, it sends you into the world to make a difference. The Bible tells us throughout the scripture that all believers from all times, by the way, were intended to be a light under the world. Think about the nation of Israel. They were called to be a light among the nations of the world. And in the New Testament, the church is said to be a light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. So ladies and gentlemen, we have a time such as this And which we have to understand, well, we may know the direction for our salvation, our hope, and our heaven. A lot of other people need to know it too. And you are in a position and in a place where you need to be making a difference through your workplace, through your friendships, through your family. This Thanksgiving, when you sit at the table, give testimony to the goodness of God about your life. Show your gratitude of what God's done in your life. Um... And realize this, it is the very scriptures that formed, listen to me, the ideas of uh, uh, the Protestant Reformation. And the Protestant Reformation was the idea that Martin Luther, the church reformer, realized that the Bible teaches the very concept that Christians, believers, have this idea called religious liberty. And that every believer, in a sense, is a leader and can, f- can follow after Jesus Christ, meet with Jesus Christ, don't need a priest, don't need the Pope, don't need them. Uh, what we need is Jesus Christ, number, numeral one. And while the religious leaders have a purpose and a role, but we have access and authority as believers, and it's been called historically, theologically, the priesthood of all believers. 
So every one of you are, are a priest, in a sense, a pastor of your home, a, a missionary, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you have significant authority, significant power, significant influence. Therefore, anything that comes alongside with anything that's anti-Christian, anti-Bible, you should surrender to a higher allegiance, the king of heaven, first and foremost, and reject anything that violates that. The idea of religious liberty is woven into the scriptures. Luther, the reformer, kickstarted it. Where? From the authority of scripture. Uh, the Protestant Reformation was woven, these ideas were woven even into our constitution. Um, some would argue capitalism comes from the idea of the Protestant Reformation giving freedom for people to create, innovate, build, uh, to bless. And by the way, America is one of the greatest countries that, that gives financially to fund and fuel mission efforts all around the world. Right now, in today's time, is probably the most important time you should ever think that reading the Bible is important. You younger people that don't like to read, just turn on the audio. That's fine. I, I, I would prefer audible than uh, reading oftentimes. I buy audio, audio books uh, and I, I listen to them. Uh, once and then maybe twice and then sometimes three times. And by the time I'm on my third try, I, I speed that sucker up to three. So it sounds like the old micro machine guy, if you remember that. How many of you remember the micro machine guy? <laughs> uh, anyway, he was a speed talker. It was kind of cool. So uh, the story of Luther, again, it's the scriptures. It's the scriptures that give him the courage the scriptures, the authority of God's word, the mantra during the Protestant Reformation was sola scriptura. It means the scriptures alone. Your authority uh, is not going to hold weight unless you lean into the Bible. You, you need the Bible right now more than ever. Um, number three, I would say seek wise counsel. Uh, seeking wise counsel. You need wise, the Bible's loaded with all sorts of uh, help to help you make decisions. Um, you need trusted people, safe people that are, are, are gifted and understand Bible. They understand theology. And they're going to give you counsel. The scripture's loaded all throughout the scripture that it's, there's a blessing and favor when you seek wise counsel. Um, I'll just read you a couple of passages, and they're in the program if you want to pull those up later. But the Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice, accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, people uh, fall, but in an abundance of counselor, there is safety. A lot of people are scared right now. We need direction. Look to Jesus, read the Bible, and seek wise counsel. Um, I'll tell you a story about seeking wise counsel. Uh, it was probably 10, 11 years ago. I was here in Phoenix, and we were praying. We had a map out on the table in Dallas, Texas, and we were praying about uh, cities all across the, the country and the world about where we'd plant a church. Uh, I arrived in Phoenix, uh, never stepped foot on Phoenix soil before. I flew over the city and had an enormous sense that this was the place God wanted me to be. I saw the valley. I was praying and literally weeping as I was praying over the valley. I had no idea I would even feel like that. And I did, and I thought it was a little strange. I didn't know if it was the burrito I ate or the Holy Spirit. 
And so I get here and my friend says, you got to meet Dr. Daryl Del Huse, the president of Phoenix Seminary, former senior pastor of Scottsdale Bible. So I go meet him. Can't believe he met with me. He didn't know who I was. Walk into his office because I heard he had a long reputation of caring for pastors and church planners. I go in there and within the first five minutes, literally we're praying together and he's starting to say things like, Ryan, I think God has called you here. I want to support you in any way possible. I'm so glad you're here. We need a Bible preaching, teaching church in this valley, more of them like you. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? I walked out of there and I thought, oh my goodness, who is this guy to support me like this? This is amazing. I get on the plane, fly back home, and I told Leslie, I think we're going to Phoenix. And she says, all right, it's better than Spain. I didn't want to live in Spain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we, we were ready to go to Spain, but God started closing the door and Phoenix opened up, you know, and uh, we came and it was wise counsel. That really confirmed. I'd already looked to Jesus. I'd already been reading the Bible, but I needed a word from a friend, a, a word from a godly man. I needed a word from somebody that was in tune with the Spirit of God, too. Uh, you're going to meet that guy next week. Uh, if those of you that hadn't met Pastor Daryl, he's, he's going to be preaching. I'll be in Arkansas with my family. Uh, he's a good man. You need wise counsel in life. Build that wise counsel list. Who are the wise counsel in your life? You need those people. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray now that uh, we would turn our eyes back to you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our hope, our healing, and our path to heaven. And Lord, um, it's going to be a challenging season, but yet there's going to be great joy all through this thing as we look to you and trust you. I do pray that uh, you would amp up our ambitions where it's important um, reading the scriptures and seeking wise counsel. Lord, for the areas that we're wrestling with and the challenges that we face as believers, we do pray uh, that we would wrestle not only with the issues, but with the scriptures. Uh, I love you and we love you and thank you, God, for your favor and blessing over our, our families. And uh, we give thanks this season during Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.